I'm Ryan Warner. This week on Colorado Matters, a gift from our family to yours. Another chance to hear our holiday extravaganzas from years past, celebrating music, memories, laughter, and light. Enjoy. It's a CPR news tradition, the Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza. Back on stage, masked and vaccinated at the Robert and Judy Newman Center for Performing Arts at the University of Denver. Walk with us down memory lane as we remember jazz epicenter El Chapultepec with Freddie Rodriguez and Wham, an 80s Christmas cover by way of Ecuador. Plus, laughter from the talent scout at Comedy Works and by way of Palisade, Colorado, we bask in the light of Hanukkah. I'm your MC, Denver 7's Micah Smith. That's right, we're putting this whole thing on TV too. And here's your host, radio's Ryan Warner. Micah, thank you so much. I have not seen this many people gathered in one spot since Denver tried to close liquor stores. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Welcome to this celebration of music and memories, laughter, and light. There's very little in the world that we can count on right now, but I can promise you those four things for the next hour or so. Our first performer is Naoma the band led by singer-songwriter Carla Huiracocha. She started her music career in Ecuador. That's where her electronic pop caught on with music fans in the mountain town of Cuenca. She eventually traded the Andes for the Rockies, relocating to Denver in 2018. The next year, the band released its debut album, Real. Naoma is currently working on their second album, Carla and her band are here to start our extravaganza off with some pop, a cover of Wham's 1984 hit, Last Christmas.
Thank you so much, everyone, for coming tonight. My name is Naoma. That is Denver band Naoma performing Wham's Last Christmas, written by pop legend George Michael, who passed away Christmas Day 2016. That song peaked at number two the year it was released, 1984, and it finally hit number one New Year's Day of this year. Wow. And Carla has popped over to our living room for a little conversation. Yes. Hello. Hello, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so glad that you could be one of our headliners this year. Thank you, thank you. How did it feel to perform that song? Um, so for me, you know, I personally love sad songs. Uh, I consider myself a very nostalgic person. But this song, you know, it's a pop song. So it's a, sad, it's a, it's a song with sad lyrics, yeah. but with cool synths. So for me, that's how I am. That's how I feel, you know? Sad but cool? Sad but cool, yes. <laughs> You've been in Colorado about three years. Uh, in that time, you and your bandmate, Danny Pauta, have made some lasting memories. Tell me about the Christmas that y'all spent in Estes Park. Oh, so actually, me and Danny's family actually rented a cabin there. Um, and we stayed up late playing card games. And they were drinking. And Danny's mom came out of nowhere, super mad. She was like, what are you doing so late? And we all ran out, like if she was gonna, you know, haunt us or something. Uh, so yeah, that was a, a great memory, you know, spending time with family, especially until midnight, <laughs> especially until midnight playing cards, you know, in Christmas night. I think, yeah, that's very special for me. It isn't time with family if there isn't someone yelling at you. I think, yes, yeah, correct. You've captured that well. If your mom is not yelling. If your mom yes. is not yelling, <laughs> yeah. or someone's mom. You and I spoke last year on Colorado Matters as Naoma played virtual yes. concerts. You know, you were streaming into fans' homes. This past fall, you went on a short U.S. tour with some stops in New York and Chicago. How was it to get back on the road and perform in person? Well, it was a little different because, you know, COVID, it's still around. So we did just five um, dates. But it was great. I feel like what I love about music is that it has allowed me to travel places that I would have never been to, you know, uh, and meet new musicians. So for me, that was the best part of the tour, you know, even though if it was a short tour, I got to meet the openers and other musicians from other uh, states. So. Still a great time. It was a chance to build relationships, of which course. has been tough in the pandemic. I know, you yes. Know. I've been having a lot of virtual friends lately. <laughs> like you, I talked to you and this is the first time we're seeing each other. That's right, <laughs> the interview was completely remote. I know, yeah. So it's nice to be in person. Yes. Naoma, thank you, happy holidays. When our next performer first saw the words that she'll read for us on our stage, she told me she burst into tears. It's what our world needs more of, says actor and director Betty Hart. Betty will read Amazing Peace, a Christmas poem by the late Dr. Maya Angelou. Thunder rumbles in the mountain passes and lightning rattles the eaves of our houses. Floodwaters await us in our avenues. Snow falls upon snow falls upon snow to avalanche over unprotected villages. 
The sky slips. The sky slips low and gray and threatening. We question ourselves. What have we done to so affront nature? We worry God. Are you there? Are you there, really? Does the covenant you made with us still hold? Into this climate of fear and apprehension, Christmas enters. Streaming lights of joy, ringing bells of hope, and singing carols of forgiveness high up in the bright air. The world is encouraged to come away from rancor, come the way of friendship. It is the glad season. Thunder ebbs to silence, and lightning sleeps quietly in the corner. Floodwaters recede into memory. Snow becomes a yielding cushion to aid us as we make our way to higher ground. Hope is born again in the faces of children. It rides on the shoulders of our aged as they walk into their sunsets. Hope spreads around the earth, brightening all things, even hate, which crouches breeding in dark corridors. In our joy, we think we hear a whisper. At first, it is too soft, then only half heard. We listen carefully as it gathers strength. We hear a sweetness. The word is peace. It is loud now. It is louder, louder than the explosion of bombs. We tremble at the sound. We are thrilled by its presence. It is what we have hungered for. Not just the absence of war, but true peace. A harmony of spirit, a comfort of courtesies, security for our beloveds and their beloveds. We clap hands and welcome the peace of Christmas. We beckon this good season to wait a while with us. We, Baptists and Buddhists, Methodists and Muslims, say, come, peace. Come and fill us and our world with your majesty. We, the Jew and the Janus, the Catholic and the Confucian, implore you to stay a while with us so we may learn by your shimmering light how to look beyond complexion and see community. It is Christmas time, a halting of hate time. On this platform of peace, we can create a language to translate ourselves to ourselves and to each other. At this holy instant, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ into the great religions of the world. 
We jubilate the precious advent of trust. We shout with glorious tongues at the coming of hope. All the earth's tribes loosen their voices to celebrate the promise of peace. We, angels and mortals, believers and non-believers, look heavenward and speak the word aloud. Peace. We look at our world and speak the word aloud. Peace. We look at each other, then into ourselves, and we say without shyness or apology or hesitation, peace, my brother, peace, my sister, peace, my soul. As a Jew, I grew up with a lot of Yiddish words. I wasn't antsy, I had spilkes. Oh, hey Ryan, what's that schmutz on your shirt? Another Yiddish word that I love is schlock, which is art that just missed the mark. So we went on a mission to find the world's schlockiest holiday tune, and the winning record is a marvel acoustically and visually. So the cover art features three kids caroling. Maybe I should be more specific. Three doll kids. Actually, three cabbage patch kids. Who remembers those? Yes, okay. <laughs> well, in 1984, they put out a holiday record. Here, <laughs> here is the track Christmas Hoop-dee-doo. is breaking in his baseball mitt. Tyler Bo is beating on his brand new drum. Everybody's eating goodies. Yum, yum, yum. Christmas Day in the Cabbage Patch is a happy oop-dee-doo. Songs to sing and bells to ring and cakes and cookies too. Christmas Day in the Cabbage Patch, you never see a crowd. We sing and play the day away until the Christmas sun goes down. Till the sun goes down. These annual Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza continues with a Hanukkah original from Western Slope singer-songwriter Liat. And bust out the garland, Judy Garland that is. This is CPR News and KRCC. We are so grateful to our members, donors, and sponsors. You are such an important part of the work we do here every day. CPR News, CPR Classical, Indy 1023, Denverite, and KRCC in Southern Colorado wouldn't be possible without you. Thank you for being a part of the Colorado Public Radio family. And on behalf of listeners all over Colorado, thank you for your support. It's the Colorado Matters Holiday Extravaganza. Here again is your host, Ryan Warner. One woman is responsible for this gathering, someone I was never able to meet, but maybe she's here in spirit, Judy Garland. Her TV show on CBS is an inspiration. It's full of musical numbers, and so I often sing along to myself. 
But recently on Colorado Matters, we had these vocal instructors on from Grand Junction. They encourage people to sing openly because it can transform your mind and body. And so I heard them and I thought, what the heck? I'm going to be super vulnerable and I'm going to sing some Judy this year. The song, fortunately for you, is short. It's called What'll I Do? And here's how she introduced it, somewhat awkwardly, in 1964. You know, I, I enjoy singing Irving Berlin's songs so much. And so many of them that he's written are so lovely that I'd like to do one tonight that I wish I had done in the Carnegie Hall album. Uh, that album, by the way, did sell a million copies. And it's... It did, and I got I got my first gold record from it. And you've got to look out for them because they're terrible on your needle. <laughs> Just like that joke. <laughs> Let's do Irving's song. What'll I do when you are far away? to Scott McCormick. And here's to you, Judy Garland. We are recording this show in Denver, where our next guest used to live, but singer-songwriter Liat calls Colorado's Western Slope home now, specifically Palisade, that has been a culture change, but then again, so was moving to Colorado in the first place. After meeting her future husband in the forest. In the forest. In the forest. Liat, welcome. Thank you for having me. You are originally from the East Coast. Yes, Jersey. 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 Oh, we got some Jersey over here. Okay. <laughs> it's the biggest applause Jersey's ever got. I'm, I'm actually surprised. Yeah. A decade ago, you were on a cross-country road trip. Yes when you met a guide 
set the scene for us. So actually, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I was, I went whitewater rafting and uh, we were, I was with my two best friends and we were flirting with the, wa wa the whitewater rafting guides and uh, they invited us camping in the middle of the forest and we said yes. So <laughs> talk about uh, free spirit, let's just say that. So uh, we just went up there that same night and it was in the middle of nowhere. It was dispersed camping, if you know what that is. It's not even a campsite. Okay. It's just in the middle of the forest. Over the forest. In Idaho Springs. And he was there and I was there and it was a full moon and that's it. And that's it. That's it. And the rest... I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about what else happened that night, but... <laughs> it's a family show, Leon. It's a family show. <laughs> you lived in Denver for a time, as I said. What drew you to Palisade? Well, we were actually supposed to get married there, and then COVID hit. And instead of getting married, we used the money to invest in a house in Palisade. So instead of getting married there, we now live there. Okay. <laughs> this was a destination wedding that really became a permanent destination. Destination, yes. Okay. Yes. Your degree is in speech pathology. Yes. You are passionate about teaching people to sing in a healthy way. You've been doing this over Zoom during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if you have always used your voice well, or if you've learned from mistakes. Um, actually, during my um, degree, uh, my professor pulled me aside and said, you're losing your voice. I'm going to put you into a voice therapy because I know you're a singer and I don't want you to lose your voice because I know that you don't want to lose it. So I went, I started going to the clinic at Temple University and I just, it just opened my eyes to uh, how to really hone in and be healthy with your voice and keep it healthy for the rest of your life. And the main, the most important thing. Yes. Are you ready for this? You ready? Breathing. Uh-huh. Breathing, that's it. Simple. And all we did in vocal therapy was breathe the whole time. And it was so interesting that my voice started getting stronger and I saw a breakthrough with, and then I started doing yoga. And I've noticed that if your body is relaxed, your singing voice is relaxed. Hmm. Yes. I kept trying to remind myself to breathe. You sounded amazing. The, oh, that's kind. But I did, <laughs> I did pay you to say that before the show. <laughs> I slipped it. her he a 50. It. I did. Yeah. Actually, he did in the mail. It's a palsy. <laughs> it's fine. You are going to perform an original song for us. Yes. Inspired by the light. Uh, I'll mention that you're Jewish. And of course, the light is a, a symbol of Hanukkah. So tell us about the tune before we hear it. Sure, yeah. So actually... You're the one that put the idea. I've never written a holiday song, and you put that idea into my head that you should write a Hanukkah song and a winter song put together. Hmm. And I talked with, so I have a new co-writer that I love to write with. Her name is Emily Feda. She lives in Mexico. So we Zoom write together, and we came up with it in 20 minutes. That's how it is. Like, we're just like straight download. We call it the download. The download. The download, straight download. Um, and we wrote a song, and it's called We're Coming Home, and it's like my new fave. 
Yay! It's my new fave. We're yeah. coming home. We're coming home. I'm excited to hear it. Yes. Take it away. Okay, I will. Would you like to hear it?
Thank you. Doesn't she have the dreamiest voice from Palisade, Colorado, that singer-songwriter, Liat? With her new original, We're Coming Home, it's available everywhere you stream music. The Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza continues. No mistletoe this year, per CDC guidelines. But we do have stand-up comedy ahead and my own connection to Judy Garland. I'm Micah Smith from Denver 7, and this is CPR News and KRCC. You're listening to the 6th Annual Colorado Matters Holiday Extravaganza, recorded last year. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for this year's special. You'll hear stirring Christmas covers, sparkling originals. There'll be comedy, Hanukkah at one of the state's oldest synagogues, and Kwanzaa choreography. That's tomorrow on Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. When a vehicle needs so many repairs that it's a money pit on wheels, sometimes it's more trouble than it's worth. But it can still be worth a lot to Colorado Public Radio. Donate it. We'll get it picked up, sold at auction, you'll get a tax receipt, and the proceeds will help pay for the programs you love. It's simple and convenient to donate your car. Get started at CPR.org support. From CPR News and KRCC, it's the 6th Annual Colorado Matters Holiday Extravaganza at the Newman Center. I'm your MC, Micah Smith, with Denver 7, and here again is Ryan Warner. Micah Smith, let's learn a little bit more about you. Uh Uh-oh. You... (laughs) You are the social equity reporter at Denver 7. More on that in a bit. But I understand that this is your favorite time of year. What is it about this season for you? Well, Ryan, it's just a feeling. That was a detailed response, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, growing up in St. Louis around this time of year, I, I just think about all of the traditions I was able to do with my family. That includes baking cookies with my mom and sister on uh, Christmas Eve while my mom blasts the Temptations Christmas album. That was really annoying when I was 15. Now I've learned to appreciate it. Um, And of course, watching Christmas movies. Christmas movies. Well, you said St. Louis, which makes me think of Meet Me in St. Louis, a Judy Garland film. Is that one you've seen? Uh, I have, but it was by force. (laughs) There's a backstory. Let me explain. So on Christmas Eve, my sister, myself, my mom and dad, we all pick a movie to watch. My dad doesn't care. He's like, you guys just, you pick, you fight it out. My sister always picks Miracle on 34th Street. I always pick the most inspirational Christmas movie ever, Elf. (laughs) But my mother would always pick Meet Me in St. Louis. And at first I was like, ugh. I do not want to watch this old movie, but 
Um, as we started to watch it and became a tradition, I really learned to love it, and now it's one of my very favorites. It's, of course, the movie that gave us the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Yes. You have a Christmas adjacent birthday, right? I do. My birthday is December 18th. And do people try to fold in one gift for both? You know, some people tried it, but they never did it again. And it's because <laughs> my mother was born on December 17th. And when she grew up, she always got those gifts that were like, this is for your Christmas and birthday. So as I grew up, my mom said, uh-uh, you're not going to do that to my baby. She needs two gifts. Okay. She had been down that road before. Okay. A little bit more about your work. What is a story that you just can't get out of your mind from the last year? You know, it's one that I've done very recently. I recently highlighted an organization called Restorative Denver. And what this organization does is brings victims and defendants together and helps facilitate restorative conversations. And it's a way to keep lower-level crimes um, out of the court system. Well, during this story, I met a man who spent 23 years in prison for a crime he committed when he was 16. And after getting out of prison, he told me he really wanted to make amends to the family of his victims. And that the family wasn't ready and he was okay with that, but he just wanted to get it out there, that he was sorry. Well, as soon as that story aired, I got a call from the victim's family saying that they were ready to forgive. Oh, wow. And so um, as, as I'm speaking now, I'm facilitating um, a reunion for both of the parties to talk and begin those restorative conversations. So I love that story because I like to think maybe I made just a little bit of difference in somebody's life. Oh. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being our MC, Micah. Thank you for having me. Our next guest is described as rowdy, witty, and larger than life. Stand-up comedian Elliot Woolsey recruits new talent for Comedy Works Denver, and here he is to make us laugh. No pressure, Elliot, no pressure. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Long-time listener of Colorado Matters, uh, so it's extra special to be here tonight. I had no idea you were so handsome, Ryan. I thought radio people were supposed to be ugly, but no, you're like, like Ira Glass with sex appeal. Like, it's very exciting. I, I love his voice, too. He always sounds like he's excited to tell you a secret about Colorado, right? He's like, the second governor had gout. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. Uh, as a comedian, I get asked a lot of annoying questions, you know, like, how would you describe your comedy? And I never know how to answer that until the pandemic, you know, all the shows shut down, everything was canceled for a year. Now I know how to describe my comedy, uh, non-essential. Yeah, yeah. Totally unnecessary. I got a little depressed during the pandemic, I don't know about you. Uh, things took a turn when I started drinking uh, queso. That was a bad idea. I ran out of chips during a quarantine and I just drank it and I haven't stopped. I uh, have a big glass of queso every day now. It's delicious. I ate a lot, a lot of large pizzas by myself during the pandemic. That's, a, uh, that's the saddest thing that you can eat by yourself, I've realized, right? Especially as a, a man of a certain age starting to lose my metabolism, you know? Because I can tell what percentage of it I've eaten the entire way around, right? Like, it's literally a pie chart 
telling me how fat and sad my life is getting, right? And as like the pizza pie chart decreases, the grease-stained pie chart that represents my sad, sad life increases proportionately. I'm trying to cook for myself more. For the first time ever, my family, my mother asked me to bring a side dish to Thanksgiving. That's a terrible idea. I'm a 39-year-old bachelor. I haven't cooked in a decade, but I thought I'd give it a shot. So I went online to look at some recipes. I've never looked at recipes online. What happened to recipes? They used to be so simple. Like I clicked on a link. Why does every recipe author have to insert a four-page journal entry before you get to the relevant information? Thank you. Like, I don't need to read a three-page story about how you made out with a boy in a russet potato field in Idaho in 1976, Janet. I'm just trying to make mashed potatoes. It's all very stressful. Holidays are always stressful for me anyway. I'm a 39-year-old man who's never been married. It gets pretty awkward around the holidays. I get all the same questions from my family, you know. My mom's always like, Elliot, why don't you want to get married? My dad, Elliot, why don't you want to get married? My stepmom, Elliot, why don't you want to get married? My stepdad, Elliot, why don't you want to get married? My mom's third husband, Elliot, why don't you want to get married? Gee, I don't know. I guess I haven't found the ones. Thank you, yeah. I'm looking, I'm out there looking. I am from Colorado, I'm a Colorado uh, born and bred, and uh, thank you, yeah. A lot of people don't know this about Colorado natives, but we're much less likely to be skiers and snowboarders, right? Like, people with money move to Colorado to do that expensive sport. When I grew up, we couldn't afford expensive ski vacations up to those fancy resorts like Veal or Aspen or Cooper's Mountains or those other places I'm too poor to say. <laughs> Our camping trips were loading up the station wagon, driving up I-70 and going camping for three days in off-brand Colorado towns named after rocks and guns, right? Like we'd spend a beautiful three-day camping trip in Gypsum, Colorado, or a terrifying three days in Rifle, Colorado. More terrifying than ever these days. <laughs> yeah. But my stepdad, he would take us on these trips, and my stepdad was the driver, right? He was a geologist and a jerk, right? He taught us that tunnel game that you learn when you grow up in Colorado driving through the mountains. You know the one where you have to hold your breath through all the tunnels? Yeah. We lost my sister in Eisenhower. She had a competitive spirit, and now she's a competitive spirit. I miss her. That's her favorite joke. Don't groan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my... My stepdad was a geologist and a jerk, so he would quiz us on rock formations going up the I-70 corridor like we cared, you know? He'd point at a random group of rocks and be like, Elliot, is that metamorphic or sedimentary? I'm like, I don't know, metamorphic? He's like, no, pay attention, Elliot. Clearly, you could see the layers in the rock. It's obviously sedimentary. I'm like, oh, this is why we don't call you dad. <laughs> Chris, anyway. <laughs> I do like being from Colorado. One of my favorite Colorado places is Boulder, Colorado. It's one of my favorite towns. It's so liberal and fun. It's, it's a crazy, they're like crazy liberal. Like, I, I saw the most Boulder thing I've ever seen the last time I was there. I was doing a show and I went to the restroom. And in the restroom, next to the mirror and the sink, someone had punched a hole in the drywall, right? You could see the outline of the top knuckles and everything. And above it, someone had written, see what women do to us 
three question marks? Very problematic. That's not the bolder part. This is the bolder part. Someone had come along with a darker pen and edited that sentence so it read, see what my lack of emotional intelligence has done to me, underlined three times. Even the bathroom graffiti is progressive and woke and bolder. That's incredible. This is how liberal Boulder is. When you're leaving Denver, traveling north on I-25, Boulder is the only city that makes you exit on the left. My name's Ellie Wolsey, been a lot of fun. Thank you very much, everybody. After a break, we unwrap the last present under the tree. It's the conclusion of the Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza with the legendary jazz family. I'm Micah Smith with Denver 7, and this is CPR News and KRCC. Get the gear to spread the cheer this time of year and support the public radio service you hold dear. The CPR Shop, now open for all the Colorado public radio fans on your gift-giving list. Hats, t-shirts, a winter scarf, and would it be a public radio shop without a coffee mug? Come to shop.cpr.org. Welcome back to the Colorado Matters Holiday Extravaganza from CPR News and KRCC. Here again, Ryan Warner. Thank you, Micah. Thank you. COVID-19 took a very personal toll on our final guest, Freddie Rodriguez Jr. He lost his father, Colorado jazz legend Freddie Sr., to the virus last year, shortly after his 89th birthday. Rodriguez's mother died of other causes just nine months later. Rodriguez Jr. brings with him some original music that he wrote for the holidays. Let's give him a warm welcome, and we'll chat a bit before he performs. I wish people on the radio could see this shirt. It's like velour, red velour. I think the audience kind of yeah. said it right there. They like it. <laughs> and this is my father's shirt, by the way. Oh. Hi. <laughs> Your father's death came very early in the pandemic, March of 2020. Right. Did you know right away it was COVID? We did, and actually, uh, we didn't know uh, uh, for about a week after he, I, I took him to the hospital. In a matter of 10 days, he was, he was gone. In 10 days? Yeah. And that was a time, I imagine, that you were separated from him because yes, people couldn't go into yeah, hospital. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was really tough for myself and uh, my family. We, uh, it was so early in the pandemic that, um, yeah, we, we couldn't, I couldn't go in and, and see him. Did you have contact with him over the phone or video? I did. Uh, my wife, she's a, she's a little techie. So we, uh, I, I played for him uh, via iPad. And when a couple of the nurses at the hospital, they, uh, they had an you know, iPad too. So you I played music for him? I played. I was able to play music for him. And 
and sing a few jazz songs that we used to perform together. So that was that was really nice. It, it was really hard actually, but um, I'm glad I did it because it seemed like when I played a few of his favorite songs, I could see a response on his face and his eyes would open up. So it was, uh, yeah, quite touching. Indeed, your mother died less than a year later. She did. Yeah. It was in January. Freddie, how did you manage that much loss? Um, I've been asked that recently. Uh, I, I think if it wasn't for my faith in God and also my, my beautiful wife uh, and uh, friends and family, my band, uh, musician friends, uh, well, that's how I got through it. And uh, I'm still, you know, uh, every other day I think about them, or every day. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm still dealing with it, but, but um, I feel that they're still here. Mm. I know my dad's watching right now, and uh, he wish he probably wishes he could be up here playing his sax. <laughs> I wish for that too. <laughs> so. You grew up in a musical household in I did. Denver. What are your most vivid memories of that? Well, we, um, I was born in Los Angeles. Uh, I guess I'll reveal my age. <laughs> on March 8, 1967, my, dad, my father went up to uh, L.A. to uh, pursue a musical career. Anyway, I was born uh, seven years later in 1967. And one of the first things I remember is he, um, you know, in California, uh, we had a really nice house and... Uh, through the screen, uh, the windows there was our swimming pool, you oh. know. And I remember him putting a little chair, music stand, big notes, uh, music, and I played clarinet first, and I was about five years old. So that, there you go. I learned how to play, read notes before I learned how to read uh, words. Wow. So, but I remember that, and then... Uh, Did you want to be swimming? I, I would practice, then I'd dive in real quick and then jump back out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, oh, I, lo I, love, I love that house in uh, California, yeah. Your Southern first California. paying gig was at 12, is that right? It was. I, uh, I got hooked early, and uh, we, I, I, I've, I've had a few, uh, like, un uncle types that, uh, you know, uh, they would say, well, Freddie Jr. is playing a little piano, why don't we use him? on this wedding in you know, a couple weeks on a Saturday, Saturday night. And uh, there I was, a little kid playing keyboards with you know, folks that were two or three times older than me. And, uh, and now did you report the income to the federal government at that point? I did, and everything's been under the table since. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I wasn't old enough to play in a lot of these places too, so oh. uh, yeah. For 40 years, your father played at El Chapultepec yes. in Denver. He performed there just weeks before he died, in fact. You, you also spent a lot of time there. I did. And not long after your dad's death, the family that owned the club announced they were closing it for good, mm -hmm. partly because of the pandemic. Uh, it occurs to me that there will be Coloradans who never stepped inside, who won't know its history. What made it so special? It's probably what, probably kind of like bad things that made it special. It was just, <laughs> well, it was just an old place. And uh, yeah, I, so after my little gigs, you know, when I was 12 years old, I went and played there when I was 13. And I played off and on with my dad for 40 years. 
he was there a strong 40 years. Anyhow, um, it, yeah, it was probably, it was, um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that did go there. Um, it was just a little hole in the wall. It uh, was a little dirty, you know. <laughs> Smelled like uh, beans and chili and popcorn. And uh, back in the early, early days, it was, you know, everybody smoked. So, uh, you know, I'd walk out of there as a kid. I'd smell like popcorn or beans or, uh, you know, or smoke. So uh, that was a, re uh, it, it was just old. It, it was. Unpretentious. It was unpretentious. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's other, you know, jazz bars around town, the country that are just posh and just, you know, beautiful. It, not the peck. It, we call it the peck, by the, the peck, way. Right. Yes. Um, easier to, uh, to pronounce. So we called it back. Um, yeah, it was just an old, dirty, homey family. Well, not family, but, um, you know, adult Well, your club. family, your yeah. family. Yeah, really. Uh, so, and it, it just, it was real homey for us. And we, uh, we played through all of that. And, but we, uh, during, during the course of, of the gig, we just uh, played great jazz. In the early days, it was just jazz, just bebop jazz. And... Uh, and then probably about 20 years ago, it started changing to, uh, they have uh, R&B bands and uh, blues bands. And uh, yeah, that was the mystique of it. And it was packed sometimes. You couldn't mm. even move. And, you know, you're standing some right here and another person right here. And they're smoking or whatever, you know. It's, but that was the mystique of it, I, I think. And so pre-COVID, that scene. It was so pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to play an original song for us. I understand that you wrote it with your mother. I did. Both. Tell us about it. Well, I used to play at a pretty big church uh, in Lakewood. Uh, I was a soloist there for many years. And uh, my boss at the time uh, was probably, uh, this is back in uh, maybe 2000, um, uh, the summer of 2000. He said, hey, he was always encouraging me to write songs for the church and um, Anyway, the summer of 2000, he probably said, uh, hey, Freddie, can you write a Christmas song for you know, Chris, our Christmas Eve services? And I said, sure, great. Um, I forgot about it. And about maybe, maybe a month before Christmas Eve, he said, how's that song coming along? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, it's going great. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, so what happened was I... Uh, I started working on a melody and uh, some chords and uh, got together with my mom and she wrote these lyrics. Oh. And she, um, we just practiced it a few times. It's in Spanish, so. And what's its title? It's called El Nino. El Nino, the child. The child, the baby. Historia de un niño es 
Freddie Rodriguez Jr., everyone, and I'm Ryan Warner with Denver 7's Micah Smith. This has been the sixth annual Colorado Matters Holiday Extravaganza. Thanks to everyone at CPR and Denver 7 who made this possible, and to our listener members. This is CPR News and KRCC.